Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, hi, welcome to this new episode of the Mango TV podcast. Today we have Elian Gerzelch. Italian-born and former civil engineer by Polytechnic of Milano, she underwent a transformative journey from globetrotting and burnout to a spiritual epiphany in Brazil at 26. Settling in Barcelona in 2018, she mastered NLP coaching, progressed to level two of the Enneagram of Personality program, and pursued a three-year integral transpersonal psychology master's. Following a painful breakup, a year of celibacy steered her towards exploring neo-tantra, somatic sexuality, and embodied spirituality, refining her own approach to intimacy. She just completed level two of the International School of Temple Art. As the founder of Spicy Spirit, she aids others in relearning self and interpersonal intimacy through transpersonal psychology and sexuality insights. She now lives in Ibiza and offers private sessions, workshops, and retreats in Spain and Italy. She truly, she truly believes that consciousness is sexy. Welcome, Elian. Thank you, Giancarlo. So, as we usually do, we try to keep this format quite standard. You know, at Mango TV, we are interested in uh, personal transformation. We are fascinated by this idea that um, um, the brain has neuroplasticity. We can change, we can rewire our brain. Um, so why don't we start, you know, we're going to follow classical structure of past, present, future. So tell us a little bit more in detail how, how, how you come about having this transformation and what are the cathartic moments where you felt that, you know, you were like shedding an old skin and embracing something new. <laughs> okay. So I would definitely start uh, with Brazil because it was for me uh, the place, the country, the space and time where I could finally, uh, I would first uh, actually realize that the path I was uh, um, walking on wasn't really the one I was meant to be. Yeah, I was uh, at Politecnico of Milan studying civil engineering, aiming at the um, most important grade there and convinced that building the longest bridge in the world would lead me to happiness. And I was very close to that, but eventually I did. Where, that. where, which, where? In Sicily, no. Where? Oh, that was maybe not the longest, but the hardest. No. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but no, the idea was uh, going first to Brazil and then um, finalizing my uh, my master at Politecnico. So in this year in Brazil, I got in contact with a completely different culture. And I realized that most of my uh, ideas about happiness and success were wrong. Uh, it was really realizing that uh, through the contact with nature, uh, me as a human being, I was just so little. And no matter how much concrete I could put uh, in a place, but nothing could stop nature from its cycle. And there I started like uh, le le leaving the space for this new uh, new new birth of my real essence that I don't know if it's already <laughs> all there flourishing, but it was the first seed. 
I was walking along this beautiful beach and there was no bridge to get to the other side of the river. We had to wait for the low tide. And so I couldn't just manage the thing how I wanted. And that re- made me really realize that, okay, there is a, a, a pause to take here and rethink about the future. Maybe building a bridge is not that important after all. <laughs> no, definitely no. <laughs> and then? So then after this, this year in Brazil, I, I went back to, to Milan. Uh, I finalized, of course, my, my master's degree. But the only thing was I really needed to go back there to that country where I could first experience this new me. Uh, and so I made everything uh, possible to go back there. And I gathered a, a group of uh, wine producers and I brought uh, wine, Italian wine to Brazil, which was one of the things I really missed while I was uh, living there. And I started this uh, project of uh, importation and reselling the, the wines there. Posing for a while, engineering, because of course I was just freshly <laughs> graduated. And yeah, I thought yeah, maybe to give uh, a chance to something different. And, and there, uh, with a less structured routine, uh, working with the, more in connection with the senses, I, I uh, did a, a sommelier course also. So I was really into uh, feeling everything that was around me. And through that, I, I give the, the, the space uh, to a spiritual, um, to, to, to this spiritual... Um, Aspect of, of life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in Brazil, they're very connected uh, to the body, to nature, and to all these uh, spirits that are all around. They call them the Orishas. Mm-hmm. There is the Orisha of the salty waters, like Yemanja. There is an Orisha for, for the earth. And so everything around, uh, around Brazil uh, can be sacred. And so being immersed in this environment really gave me a, a taste of what sacredness could be and how important it is to cultivate spirituality on a daily basis. Mm. And, and, and how this new realization affected your life or how did the challenge pre-existing uh, structure that you had on how to be, how to behave versus yourself versus the others? Well, first of all, being so far away from my home country, from my family, helped a lot because all my beliefs were raised. Uh, By your co- culture, yeah, exactly. it was a cultural conditioning. Exactly. So being so far away helped me to first uh, cultivate this, this seed and realizing that this idea I had about happiness and success in life wasn't really connected with something more deep and and more spiritual was just an idea coming from from the outside world from uh, probably the western progress towards an infinite possibility of uh, development and, and and growth and and being there really helped me to pick uh, the people i would uh, share my time with i would learn from uh, I, I've been living for three months uh, with a medium, for example, and she really opened my mind uh, towards this uh, more subtle um, world where spirits are present, where you can uh, work with the, this subtle dimension uh, of, of, of the beings. And then I participated to some candomblé uh, ceremonies, really being able to feel the energy of 
the spiritual uh, in, 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 on, on earth. And through these dances uh, they, they, and, and, the, and the drums, they literally leave you, lead you to a trance. And I was there like a, as a visitor, so just witnessing, not even dancing a lot, but I could really feel the rays of the energy and the frequency, and I got in a little bit of uh, trance uh, state. This is an African influence. Yes, no? mm. yes, yes. Mainly uh, located in Bahia, but mm. it spread uh, all around Brazil. And so before, when you were in uh, the Polytechnico, it was... You were um, raised Catholic? Not Catholic, but my family was Adventist, uh -huh. uh, which is more uh, towards the Protestant um, side of the uh, religion. But so you already had um, some sort of like um, believing in, uh, in, uh, in spirit, and you had already, you were not considered like a secular materialistic. No, no, but at the same time, um, my idea of religion was so uh, organized, organized, yeah. and very uh, like Jesus-centered. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, wasn't really uh, open to all this world of uh, subtle, like the medium sheep, the Gordon Bleu. Exactly. Beautiful. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then what happened? Uh, I spent two years and a half in Brazil, yeah. um, cultivating this new me, getting to know how uh, this new Eliane uh, wanted to behave. I, I could really uh, engage in different types of relationships, uh, like letting go of the patterns I didn't really uh, like about me uh, when I was living in Italy, in my hometown, or even in, in Milan, because it's the same uh, culture pot. So it was hard for me to just step out and take uh, a pause. Um, so after these two years and a half in Brazil, um, I experienced uh, a lot of what it means to stay in the body, to really listen to it. And I experienced the catharsis, the collective catharsis of the carnival mm. twice. Mm. And that was very powerful. Uh, probably at that moment, I wasn't really aware of what I was witnessing and experiencing. But today I can definitely say that it's a spiritual collective catharsis, what the carnival uh, is in, in, in Brazil. It's like a m collective movement of people celebrating deeply life in its essence. And doesn't matter the shape or the form it's, it's done, but it's really uh, a deep connection with, with the life force. And, and why, don't we, why shouldn't we celebrate it, you know? Um, in, in Rio. In Rio and then in Recife, where there mm. is this little town, Olinda, on a hill, mm, which mm. is another characteristic uh, carnival there. The collective catharsis makes me believe, it makes me, reminds me a little bit of Burning Man. Mm, yeah. Which I feel that um, there are, they are some, um, when you have like 50,000 people with the purest intention celebrating in that way, I really feel that there is some sort of energetic highways that get built up and, and, and even people can possibly even tap into this energy, energetic highways and and manipulate reality and, and meet people they need to meet. and Exactly, yeah. And uh, it's, it's exactly that that you're describing. 
Uh, and it's also reverting all the normal rules. I mean, during Carnival in Brazil, the, the streets are taken by people walking. So no cars, no, no traffic. It's just people. It's regaining the, uh, our place as human beings, even in a, a built uh, environment. And doing it in Rio, for example, where nature is like on your side. I mean, nature there is really present uh, in between a skyscraper and the other. So it's a reminder, a strong reminder from when we belong. And so why don't we just celebrate there? And it's like when you meditate alone or you meditate in a group, mm. if you do it collectively, like the frequency that and the feel that can be generated is definitely stronger and higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people underestimate the power of the neuro-co-regulation with other, exactly. especially with family and partner. You know, even in movies, when I was doing, when I was producing documentary, and when you screen a movie and you watch it alone, is one experience. But whenever there's other people in the room, inevitably you can see a little bit of the movie through their eyes. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um, okay, so where are we now? Are you still uh, importing wine? Uh, no. <laughs> when I mm, I came back to, to Italy, um, I didn't need to import wines. I mean, uh, Brazilian wines are not so... Uh, bad. Not so bad, but mm, I wouldn't buy them in having all the Italian wines uh, 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 available. Yeah. Uh, so, um, actually, going back to Italy, I... I had the 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 feeling I had to give a try to engineering because uh, actually I've never really uh, worked uh, or practiced as an engineer just in between the, the the graduation and the master. So I went back to Italy and I went back to my family. I basically obligated my mother to have me at home for six months and she really remembers <laughs> those those six months and I do also uh, because of course there was something I had to uh, fix there to repair yeah. to reconnect yeah like a closure uh, yeah a closure and a new opening yeah. for sure yeah. uh, I feel that was the start of a new connection with my mother uh, which was one of the reasons probably uh, that led me to go so far away. Mm. Uh, and and so, yeah, I worked um, in the import-export um, field, but uh, more as a consultant uh, in Italy and then uh, in Barcelona. There in Barcelona, um, it was 2018, and I went there to settle again my life and I was working for this consultancy firm. They sent me to the uh, civil engineering department. So I said, oh, yeah, maybe this time it will work. Uh, but it was like eight months of hell, hell definitely hell. Uh, I was working more than 14, 16 hours a day in eight months that lasted there. I never had dinner at home. So basically it was just working and working and all the people around me were saying, yeah, this is what you need to get your promotion. This is what you need to be successful. You will survive, no problem. Just uh, be strong. And I felt this big contradiction be between what I was just learning that was good for me and what society and the people around me in that moment were telling me. So I got into this inner conflict about what's right for me, you know? 
was just uh, a bad, uh, a big trip that I had in Brazil, just a parenthesis. And then real life is like this, like working, pursuing money and not even time for like a relationship, mm. actually. Um, and so these eight months were like su uh, super, super challenging. And eventually when I could gather a few money, I just quit. And I went back to Brazil, <laughs> <laughs> my recharging of, of energy and batteries. And there in one year and a month and a half, I, I could reconnect with my essence. I realized that, yeah, what I was really needing wasn't the type of work, wasn't that it would lead me to success, to happiness. And I, I received my first uh, um, reading of Natal Chart. Uh, And that was a big awakening because knowing that, I mean, meeting someone who could know myself better than me, just reading something uh, taken from the sky. I mean, it's like <laughs> quite awkward for someone who doesn't really believe in astrology at that time. And, and so that made me, okay, so about astrology, what is, it's the cosmos as a wall. Uh, it's paying attention to what the planets are doing and how are affecting us. So I'm part of all this big, big system. And again, it brought me to something higher, to something more subtle than just the, the thing to do every day, the, the food to buy uh, or the material object that I would surround myself. Um, and so following a bit what uh, that astrology told me, um, when I went back to, to Barcelona, I started a, a course in coaching because I really wanted to uh, be more able to reach my goals since I had more clarity around them. And during the course, I was really missing the spiritual side of it. I mean, it was all on the superfaces, was very effective uh, for practical things. But when it gets to deeper wounds, I mean, I couldn't really feel that that was my path. And, and this is where transpersonal psychology uh, came, in. came in. Exactly. So maybe spend a couple of minutes explaining what is transpersonal psychology. It's very popular now. It's mentioned all around because of the um, renaissance of psychedelics. Um, but tell us a little bit about transpersonal psychology. Transpersonal psychology is a branch of psychology. It started developed in, in the late 60s, uh, mainly in California. There was Ezel and this big... Retreat place. Retreat place and uh, a really gathering um, space where people from all around the world could go there and experience something which was beyond the person. And this is transpersonal. It's going beyond what's uh, the, the, the personality, the ego, the biography, the biography. but at the same time, ta trans uh, means true. So we really have to integrate all these uh, things through our biography, through our ego, through our body, because otherwise we can just be uh, super spiritual, but without any root. Yes. And in our life here on earth, I truly believe that we have to use all our human side to heal and then yes. continue in our path yes. as, as a soul. So yeah, and in, in this, uh, how do we work to develop this sensitivity, this sensibility to, towards the spiritual uh, side of, of, of the being? 
there are a lot of techniques. There is breath work. There are uh, plant medicines. There is vision quest. Um, there is plenty of ways. Uh, and most of the time... Fasting, trance dance. Exactly. Meditation. And, and the most challenging thing is to get this material, this precious information from our unconscious and bring it to the conscious. Uh, really uh, put it into the light and integrate it in our lives. And so uh, in this three-year master that eventually became a four-year master because of COVID, we had to stop it at some point. And so it just made the, the journey, the personal journey I've been through like longer. And at the same time, uh, I feel very, very lucky to have had this longest, uh, longer exposure um, to these practices, to the, the wisdom of all the teachers I had uh, during this, this path. Um, and so today I really uh, feel that in integrating the spiritual in the, in the real life is, is something super important. And so how do we, at which moment you saw, you find your path? You say, okay, this is where I want to focus now in my career. Mm. When was that moment and what was the thing? <laughs> so while I was in the, in the master, uh, I was still working uh, as a consultant in a different uh, company, uh, way more flexible, where uh, my personal growth was uh, really put in value. And the only thing was the topic of the project I was working in. I was working mainly for big companies in the telecommunication area, which could be fascinated at the beginning, but then I really felt uh, I'm helping the big to become bigger and bigger. And what I really, uh, what really nourish me, nourishes me is uh, the one-to-one uh, uh, contact. How can I help you change your life uh, and not make someone make more money. Of course. Um, and so uh, it was uh, a bit longer uh, journey because uh, I was quite comfortable in this in this work. I could work from, from Ibiza when I moved here after the first lockdown. And yeah, I, on, on paper, I had everything I needed, a good salary, I mean, the, the stability of being employed. And everything was there to just keep me in the matrix. But at the same time, uh, living here in Ibiza, surrounded by people who were apparently in some, in, in some proportion also truly uh, pursuing their real purpose, was constantly challenging me. I was comparing myself to them and saying, yeah, I mean, I really love what you do. I feel how you're passionate about it. And when I was talking about my work, I was just very rational saying, yeah, it's, it's a good job, <laughs> but really not coming from the heart. So what kind of people were you talking about, like um, a coach, a psychotherapist, uh, energy worker? Yes, uh, also massages, masseurs, yeah. uh, or, or people that were really putting uh, in service their talent, their yeah. gift. And here on the island, it's it's full of, of them. Not only healers, but also more grounded people that artisan are, and you yes, know, farmers. Exactly. Yeah, uh, really in, in contact with the, with with a with a purpose in yes. life. And so uh, it happened last year that uh, luckily I have to say uh, they fired me, mm -hmm. and that was the moment in which I could really say, okay, 
now it's the time to dedicate myself to, to something that really calls Not, me. Yeah. Um, it, it was already three years, almost three years at that time, that I was uh, into um, the field of intimacy, uh, exploring um, what intimacy for me uh, was meaning and how could I transform it. Because I realized that my way of living intimacy wasn't so truthful, uh, was really conditioned, and I wanted to, to work on it. It started with the curiosity about the sexual exploration, um, participating to a play party and see all the possibilities that uh, can, can, can arise, can arise uh, in, a, in a safe space of exploration. Um, but uh, yeah, probably uh, the healing part of it was was most calling me. Mm-hmm. And and so, uh, if I go back to 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 that moment, uh, it was uh, this opening to the exploration, uh, an amazing play party in Barcelona, and then lockdown. So basically, the castration of all the contacts, of all pleasures, and and that was very challenging. Uh, luckily, I had a lover at that time who had like a, um, a caravan, so he could park <laughs> down my apartment <laughs> and we could still meet. Um, but yes, uh, when I moved to Ibiza, uh, it was very clear to me uh, that, I mean, the people I was attracting, uh, they had some kind of... Uh, um, different patterns in when it gets to intimacy. Some of them were uh, undergoing a celibacy. Some of them were in practicing penetration. And I was not practicing. Not practicing. Mm. And I was asking myself, why do I attract these people if what I'm looking for is exploration and openness? So basically, I, I took a reflection and said, okay, maybe there is a message for me here. And I took the opportunity uh, of the winter to start like um, intermittent fasting, meditating every morning, one hour, uh, doing a super healthy routine and and yeah, and close my body, close my temple um, to the interaction with, with others. Um, it continued for almost one year in which I was slowly opening myself to, to the contact with other people, but without any uh, penetration. Yeah, but so let me understand, because this is fascinating for me. I think that we're going through a, a second wave of sexual revolution, much more complete, much more holistic. In the 60s, it was very political. Mm-hmm. It was almost the woman, you know, almost felt the right to be as promiscuous as men. And, and, but, but now I feel it's more about being whole. It's more about, it's, it's more like a spiritual practice. The, the this this movement in um, neotantra sexual liberation conscious intimacy however you want to call it but so when um, if I'm not indiscreet you can you cannot answer but you know you said that um, you wanted to address some of the aspect of your sexuality that might have been a little bit maybe you know um, unaware or unconscious or or cultural conditioned can you can you elaborate a little bit yeah. I can start with when I was a little, little kid. Uh, I I started masturbating very, very early. And I remember like waiting for my sister to, to breathe like deeper so to understand that she was sleeping and since we were sharing the room so I could uh, 
very um, without any intention was very very little probably three four years uh, old uh, but it was just uh, called to 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 look for this to feel this pleasure in in my body and at the same time with the religion uh, very present in in my, in my family and the environment that was uh, I grew up there was this shame that came together and so I wasn't really keen to talk about sexuality with in in the family um I did it a bit with my friends when I was a teenager but the only information we had was like porn and maybe something told by the the mother of a friend but nothing more and so I had to discover it myself and today I can say I was very very conditioned by what society uh, tells us about sexuality just you have to please the man to please the man to 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 perform mm. to do the most uh like um yeah acrobatic acro- <laughs> acrobatic this is the word acrobatic <laughs> things uh to be like uh, al- always uh, sexually uh, attracted by 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 the other man and and i had to realize that i had a lot of uh, sexual energy in my body mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know really what to do with that because masturbating wasn't enough. And so there was this uh, this leak that was all all the time uh, calling me uh, towards a, a sexual encounter with, with someone. And I know today, uh, thanks to the Enneagram of Personality, that that was uh, my way of asking for love. I mean, I was given sex mm-hmm. in order to receive love. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> and so I was dragged into these uh, short, intense relationships in which I was falling, falling in love with someone after just having an orgasm mm-hmm. and, not, and giving so much space to the sexual attraction and to our um, pleasure together that I wasn't really able to see the other person. I wasn't really knowing the other person. So eventually after like four, six, seven months, I was like, oh, who am I with? And so maybe go to the next one. I see. And 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 also this uh, uh, was causing a lot of concentration of energy in the lower chakras, for example. And today I'm aware that that uh, was also something physical that was happening to me. Today, my, my energy is way more balanced, and so I'm not so uh, dragged into this, this type of connections. Actually, I'm not called by them at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, um, talk how you got there, but I just wanted to um, underline this term you used, you know, leaking. You know, I think that that indicates well that um, the leak of the sexual energy you know just the term leaking is um um is not compatible with the a real fulfillment it's more like losing something so there's almost like a bitter taste and and it's almost a sense of being depleted rather than be regenerated so you brought this conditioning with you um you've realized that you attracted people that were in a certain way working on their sexual energy you had the insight of Let's listen for a second. Why the universe is sending me this, this, this? You know, these people in this path. You do your work. You you do your you develop a very reg- disciplined daily practice, and you decided to also start a period of celibacy. Yes. 
And then what? And then what? And then uh, I, I thought that I had to relearn how to be intimate. intimate. Yeah. And I started like a long sequence of retreats and workshops and trainings uh, addressing sexuality from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember the, the previous boyfriend I, I had was really uh, embodying this more sacred um, sexuality and it was suggesting me to me to do some practices that I wasn't really understanding at that time. And after my uh, some of the trainings I've done, yeah, I could really understand what was was meaning uh, to give the sacredness of the to the body, to treat the body as a real temple and uh, ritualize um, the the intimate intimate uh, encounter. So, yeah, I was uh, I was practicing and and uh, relearning uh, about sexuality, but without penetration, mm-hmm. and and that for me was uh, a challenge, and also at the same time my my stronger uh, practice. practice, because taking out from the equation uh, the goal of the uh, intercourse uh, was really opening the field to all the rest, mm-hmm. and. I realized that uh, to really be sensitive in all the body, first of all, I need time. Second, I need all my body to be uh, stimulated. And then uh, the the level of uh, reactivity or receptivity that my body has with all the cells of, of my skin will re- literally raise the pleasure, raise the vital energy, raise the sexual energy, and from there, then you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, you can start manifesting <laughs> in life what you really, really want. Maybe we'll get to sex magic yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really need to, needed to um, abstain from penetration to, to do this, this work. Because otherwise, it's too easy to go back to the old uh, practice, to the to the comfortable one also, because we learned a way of being intimate and we're comfortable in, in, in there. And we don't want to, with another person, to feel uncomfortable, especially when it gets to sexuality. We want to show our best. And, and, and for me, it was uh, very, very important to do this step. But so in the in, in the four year master of transpersonal psychology in Barcelona, there was not um, it was the sexuality wasn't addressed. So as no. Cl- ah, interesting. No, 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 it's mm. not part of it. Uh, there is uh, in, in the school, uh, they, there is a specific master about sexuality, but it's not integrated with the, with no. the transpersonal. No, no, it's maybe inter- maybe it should <laughs> or it will. <laughs> I mean, if you think about Eros as a cosmic force, It's definitely transpersonal. It is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. So uh, now where are we? You did your course. You did your course. You harness your um, sexual energy in a more satisfactory manner. Um, so now you're ready to uh, start giving back all this knowledge. So how did you package this wisdom and how you, are you giving it back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, I, I took the opportunity uh, uh, of last year when uh, they fired me to uh, stop for a moment and together with a magnific uh, mentor, um, we, we, we came up with the, my new project, which is Spicy Spirit. 
Jorge, and, Jorge Ferrer. Um, well, Jorge, I can define him one of my professors yeah. in life and uh, in in the course. But uh, my mentor is uh, Carolina, uh-huh. a Brazilian uh, woman, incredible Brazilian woman. She lives also here on the island. Yeah. For 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 people, if are curious about Jorge Ferrer, we had two podcasts with him here. So I think it's episode um, four and. 30, mas ou menos. <laughs> yeah. One of my greatest uh, also teachers about uh, uh, polyamory and open relating. Yeah, I have to give yeah, we, him... we haven't talked about that yet. Oh. <laughs> okay, so, 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 okay, continue. Um, so, yeah, the, this uh, the Spicy Spirit Project means that um, I, will def- I will finally uh, embody my, my purpose. And so I would start uh, put this in service for other people. So all the teachings I, I, I received and integrate on how to be uh, more connected to my body, how to get in tune with my desire, how to be more conscious and present in intimacy um, is transformed into workshops. So I led some workshops last uh, winter in Barcelona um, around uh, uh, conscious intimacy. And they were together with uh, another uh, colleague uh, of mine. And and then the, the things just start coming towards me. Uh, I'm giving uh, private um, therapy sessions and I'm accompanying um, other human beings in being more uh, aware in this path of consciousness. And at the same time, I keep exploring myself, uh, all this realm of intimacy. And I got in contact with Shibari, which is one of my passions now. And I organized a few workshops around it also. I'm practicing with my ropes every now and then. And and now I'm uh, also thinking about organizing uh, temple nights. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole process, uh, work in progress, uh, which is uh, very fluently developing um, unfolding quite organ- unfolding. organically. But so can you maybe describe the Temple Night a little bit for people that don't know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, temple Night, um, the, the, the idea of temple goes back to the ancient Greece. Uh, um, when the soldiers uh, were coming from war, and they can be very bloody wars at that time, before going back to their families, they would uh, stop in these temples and their priestesses would clean them uh, not only physically, but also energetically. And one of the most powerful energies we have is the sexual energy. So they were also uh, cleaned in their sexual energy by these priestesses. And so they could be able to go back to their families as human beings. And so the art of temple, and from there the temple nights, uh, really um, takes back that concept of the sacredness of sexuality and so the aim is to create a safe space and time because there is a start and an end um, in which people gather consciously to set a common intention of exploring their pleasure in their own ways and they're um, able to do it um, in in this in this place uh, with respect with consent uh, with presence and, and so mm, no, normally there, there can be no boundaries, uh, general boundaries, let's say. Some of them have as a general boundary no penetration, but it's not a must. But the, the, the thing is, it's an open space to exploration, to sexual exploration, 
where everything is welcome from eye gazing to meditation to having a threesome to uh, explore more deeply uh, the sexual energy. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful um, setup. I think it was created by ISTA, which is the International School of Temple Art that I'd love to cover real quick. But just I have just one quick question. You were say, saying in, in Greek time, the warriors were coming back from war and then they were like energetically cleansed. Mm -hmm. um, but so how does the sexuality, how, 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 do, how can you use sexuality for cleaning? Well, uh, when I say energetically cleansed, I mean also physically. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, it's just a matter of, of density. I mean, from energy to matter is just... Uh, getting more dense, more dense, more dense, and we have the body. Yeah. So it's like a, a wall uh, cleansing. And sexual energy is the energy of life. So basically it's planting a seed of new life after the cleaning. Mm -hmm. And so in, in, in this sense, uh, sexual energy is, is super healing because it's bringing life to the cells, basically. To the cells? To the cells of the body, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Through orgasm, through pleasure. Pleasure. I mean, uh, the orgasm is just the the the, the pike of of the tip of, of the iceberg. Yeah, but uh, pleasure uh, is is not only the orgasm. We can feel different levels of of pleasure, different intensity of pleasures, and not even reaching the orgasm. And, and so, through expressing pleasure, they were cleansing from the horror they've been. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, re relieving the pleasure. It, it's it was like meeting again uh, from uh, the the man f full of armors that was fighting, meeting again the the the, the life uh, through the, the the body of a woman. Mm. So it was reconnecting to to, to life, not from a survivor mode, but from uh, uh, surrender. Our surrender. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, so how can we bring all these different threads together? Um, so, so you created now, so you're doing workshop, you're doing psychotherapy, you're doing conscious intimacy, but so how do you reconcile all these different teaching, which is, you know, as part of the transpersonal IC um, plant medicine, non-ordinary state. So in your teaching and, and in your own development, how how are you integrating these two different uh, modality, the non-ordinary state and the sexuality? Do they work together? This is a big question. When I refer to conscious sexuality and conscious intimacy, I do really uh, prefer to separate it from um, substances that can alter or uh, modify my presence. Um, so the, the most present, the most uh, embodied, the most grounded I am in a sexual space, more I'm sure that I will really follow what is my desire, that I would really um, do what's good for me in that moment. Uh, when it gets to uh, some uh, substances or not ordinary states of consciousness, then the the amount of material that is coming from the unconscious, I'm not sure that as of now I would be able to integrate it in the same moment and time. Interesting. Uh, so I would separate those two things uh, or 
approach them in a very experimental way. I mean, very consciously, okay, let's try what's, what's happening uh, with a substance and sexuality together. But it will be a, a very interesting experiment. So in my life, in this moment, I would use like not non-ordinary states of consciousness um, to deepen in my uh, in my path of, of healing, of getting to know myself, because I really find that it's an accelerator of the therapeutic process. And on the other side, I would consciously and very uh, presently uh, work on sexuality. And then maybe there could be like an experiment of mixing them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, how do you, how do you use, you know, what is your position today on spirituality? And, and, and do you, how do, do you, and if yes, how do you use it for, in your profession? Do you integrate the spirit realm in your teachings? I, I do, uh, and depending on, on, on the person and the, the level of openness that the person is, is showing. Um, for sure, I start like planting seeds from the first uh, uh, session because I bring what is my experience and for me spirituality is something very present in, in my life. Um, but I don't want to already set a, a framework in which the, the, the client has to uh, believe in like past and future lives in, in, in the path of the soul and karma and entities and all this kind of stuff. But uh, there are different words that can be used to like uh, approach this, these topics for who is a bit more... Um, Interested. Yeah, 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 definitely. And when there is an, a door open, then I definitely uh, open it. <laughs> I mean. But so what is what is the role of spirituality in personal development? And how how can you can you can you maybe draw a parallel or a comparison between personal development and spiritual development? I think that we are um, spiritual beings in a human body. So uh, we have to use the body here on, on, on earth in this life uh, to get the most out of it, but we cannot forget that we come from something higher and that our purpose has to be, uh, has to go beyond just uh, reaching something in this material life. Uh, so I truly believe that there's no personal development without taking into consideration the spiritual one. Uh, the spiritual one is kind of the lighthouse. It's marking the direction all the time. It's bringing you information from the past and from uh, or your lineage, and, and gives you the 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 north uh, of what your soul has come to to do in in this world. Um, so the thing is, how do I use my my talents, my gifts? My, my capacities, my abilities that this body has given me, uh, my mind with my knowledge, with my mm, abilities, how do I use it for this higher purpose? Because otherwise I don't think, or I didn't experience myself some fulfillment in what I do. Uh, there is not a, a higher reason that would help you in dark moments to continue uh, waking up in the morning if there is not something that goes beyond the materialism. And, and how do you figure it out uh, where you are on your soul journey? 
Uh, good question. <laughs> good question. I, I would love to have a recipe for that. <laughs> Probably an Italian recipe. <laughs> um, but I think that probably through uh, the most challenging moments of our life, when we probably reach the bottom, then there is the openness to really let go all the structures or the beliefs that had led us to that bottom uh, and open our our mind to something different. And that's a step up in your, in your journey. Yes can be like a, um, a plant medicine journey, can be a burnout, can be a very uh, sad uh, a crisis, a, a, crisis, crisis yeah. uh, a breakup, uh, the, 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 the loss of a, of a beloved. I mean, there are a lot of triggers, um, a Kundalini awakening spontaneously. I wouldn't yeah. recommend that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we have interviewed, I interview many facilitators and they integrate psychedelics in their practice in Mexico or in place where it's legal or in Peru or um, you haven't, you don't integrate psychedelics yet in your practice. No, no. No, not yet. Because there is one thing that I'm fascinated, you know, like, as you know, psychedelics are exploding, you know, the medicalization is well advanced. MDMA will be legal next year, and then short, shortly after, uh, psilocybin will be medicalized, so you can buy it. Um, we already have Santa Maria, mm, uh, so uh, it's it's still uh, Santa Maria super, is ca cannabis. Yeah, 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 it's still uh, a super powerful plant. Plant, yeah. We don't have to forget we, because we mix a lot with tobacco, which is a lower uh, energy. But yes, uh, there are. Yeah, I mean, for me, marijuana is a little bit of a different category because um, it does a little bit create de dependency, I feel. Um, I would put him on a different class of psychedelic. Of course, he's a master plant. Uh, of course, has incredible knowledge. But sometimes I feel, you know, um, Graham Hancock would say that every plant has a spirit and every spirit has a personality. So the ayahuasca is the loving grandmother, the iboga is the stern grandfather, and the San Pedro is the funny uncle or something. Mm -hmm. and, and cannabis is the trickster. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I had 15 years of cannabis addiction. So for me, it's a little bit a, a tricky one. But um, my question is this, you know, now that, you know, um, people realize that the integration from the psychedelic trip is very important. There are integration um, classes and workshops and schools popping up everywhere. You look on Instagram. It's, and um, I had the opportunity to ask to a couple of these um, uh, persons that have started these integration classes, okay, how do you integrate a, a, a spiritual revelation which can be under the form of an angel, a spirit, or, or a malevolent, or a monster, or a feeling or, a fear. Of, of a fear, but 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 a, a concrete presence of an, uh, an a supernatural, mm -hmm. a supernatural phenomenon, and 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 people still don't know. You know, everybody's good at integrating the material from your subconscious with that to do with personal transformation and how I can tap to my full potential, how I can make the unconscious conscious. All the personal development, it's quite clear. But then the moment that there is an entity or, or you know, one of the facilitators said, but at this point I will go back to the shaman, that's his, his responsibility. Some other would say she couldn't really answer very mm -hmm. well. So 
I feel that it's such a missed opportunity, right? Imagine, you know, if you look at this this way, you know, we are here, these Western white people, we go to the Amazon, we take this medicine away from them, we medicalize them, we turn into appeals, we give it to people in order for them to feel better and to do their personal work. We, we, we support them for the personal work. And then the moment that there is like a supernatural phenomenon, which is why these plants were used all along for thousands of years, they were used to navigate spirit. Then at that moment, then we go back to them. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's like we need to understand, like um, Ben DeLoan from ASI years in this podcast explained very well. He says people need to understand that this medicine, they're not pills, they're not, uh, uh, they're not an object, they're not a product, they're like a process. And this process comes with a different ontology of reality. You know, when the Shipibo, the Kogi, or the indigenous wisdom, they talk about the, the river being the brother, or the mountain being the brother, or the moon, it's not a metaphor. They feel molecular connected. So this process comes with that kind of ontology, that kind of cosmovision. So when you do, you do the work with the Shipibo, for example, you, you, you heal your lineage, you go back into your lineage. And so this is, nobody's teaching that. Um, well, uh, I had a, a teacher in the master, Mark Calvet, and another one, Nicolas Dumont, and they do work with the entities. Mm. They, they, they had their awakening and they're able to connect these two worlds, uh, our 3D worlds and the, the subtle mm. world. And so they, they're able to, to call certain entities to uh, clean uh, the space from others that are not so welcome. Um, and so I think there also there is also a Western way of dealing with uh, with this type of um, yeah spirits. W- w- what is this Western way? Um, I mean, uh, they 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 still use um, it. It's it doesn't have to be the shaman in the Amazon yeah. to do that. Yeah. It's about developing this openness and sensibility. Uh, to these subtle presences, yeah. and I don't know what was their uh, school. If there was yeah. a school, probably not. It was just uh, our an awakening of this gift in in, in them, yeah. and this ability of uh, open the perspective. Yeah. Is just if I look at you in this moment, I can see you just the fur- the surface, or start like looking more deep yeah. and it's developing and training this yeah. where we put the the attention the energy goes so yeah. it's just uh really uh, paying attention yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to this and we can uh talk to these entities for example yeah i didn't have a, an episode myself but i know from firsthand people who had this kind of uh, events in their lives and they've been told yes tell this entity to just go away mm-hmm they eventually will. I mean, uh, we, we can treat them and not all just be scared of, of rum from yes, them, yes, you know, in, yes. in a way. And there is also always a message there yes. for us. Because it's difficult for the typical, you know, secular materialistic that is attracted to this medicine because maybe they have a chronic condition and they read on the paper that, you know, for depression or addiction or anxiety or for this like mental ailment. But then, you know, this phenomenon can happen. And I feel that there is not a proper, you know, container 
for you know for people who doesn't have already a religious practice it can be very destabilizing to 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 go through this to these experiences you know we don't have we don't have a protocol to integrate them and the thing you you you, you i think you had the answer just before saying it's a process yeah. taking a, a a plant medicine it's not the solution of a problem yeah. it's not the pill to calm the fever yeah. it's a process you have to undertake because what what's the most important after the experience is what you do with that and for that you need uh in my opinion a therapeutic approach of a therapist who is open to this field i mean who wouldn't just uh go back to conductivism or a more rational uh, approach to life. I mean, we need to be accompanied and validated in these experiences to really take the best out of them. I see. And it takes time. And uh, it will imply a lot of change in our life. Probably we will uh, change our job. Uh, we will slowly start um, gather with different type of people. I mean, it's all part of this process uh, and requires uh, effort uh, mm-hmm. and, and energy, yeah. I see. Um, okay, so now regarding the future, what's, what's, um, you know, what's in a pipeline for you? more more of the same workshops um is there anything that uh, how people can find you if they want to work with you give us a little bit of a commercial <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, i have my web uh, site which yeah. is uh, www.spicyspirit.eu and uh, the same is in instagram spicy spirit And I work online with private sessions uh, to accompany, accompanying therapeutically uh, people in their processes. Uh, can be like a normal crisis or more focused um, requests around uh, um, intimacy to uh, really um, awaken desire, to tune into desire, to step into the, the body and relearn this new way of being intimate mm. in their lives. Um, they can come to Ibiza when I do my workshops and I will announce the dates for Barcelona and I'm thinking about bringing this work also to Italy. Mm, nice. Uh, it's going back to the roots and nice. bring a bit of my medicine there. Uh, actually, uh, I will be assisting in a, in a retreat in uh, in Italy in um, in October. So yeah, we'll, with, with Jorge. Yeah, with yeah. Jorge. What's the what's the website of that? Um, it's transpersonal somatic through the Akasha. Yeah. Um, uh, no, not Akasha. I think it's Akasha or Aisha. We'll put it. We'll put yeah, it on the show notes. Um, so that's amazing. Um, one quick question, but do you work with couple also for conscious intimacy? Uh, I haven't started well yet, but I'm definitely open uh, open to, to work with them. Yeah, I'm, I've been receiving a lot of requests from women recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm creating a program uh, for women to get back um, in contact with their bodies and to really tune into their desire to work with them individually and then um, gather together in a workshop. Um, but couples uh, are definitely... Uh, yeah, because I feel there is an imbalance. You know, you hear so much of women doing this work and then, you know, there's going to be all these sexually empowered women but not enough sexually empowered men. <laughs> exactly. But on, on the other hand, there is a, a big wave of men also uh, mm. start working 
uh, with sexuality. I just uh, read the, uh, a post from uh, one of the facilitators of my ISTA level two uh, who just finished uh, a brother uh, uh-huh. a brother retreat a brotherhood yeah. yeah brotherhood retreat with a lot of men mm. uh, there are some um, workshops that uh, are calling women for free because there are two men so I, I really think that uh, things are starting shifting a little bit I yeah. mean men are really stepping out and I super welcome that stepping up yeah 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 stepping up, but yeah. so but so just take another two minutes Why, why is pleasure healing? Why is pleasure important? Oh, I think pleasure is uh, one of the other substances, if mm. it can be defined as a substance, uh, that can k- take you to a non-ordinary state of mm. consciousness. I experienced it myself um, this winter with, with, a, with a lover. I mean, I was theorizing this idea of how we could connect to the really divine and spiritual Um, energy through sexuality and I had uh, a whole theory around it and then when I finally could live it and experience in my body I really got to a transcendent state uh, through this uh, loving and adorable uh, encounter Um, so yeah I think that pleasure is this Is, is, is from the biological side is a, a combination of hormones and, Chemi- uh, and chemicals, but on a spiritual level is just the, the bridge, the connection with something higher. Amazing. I think that's a perfect way to end. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elian, and uh, looking forward to have you back next year just to check on how's everything going. Thank you, Giancarlo. Thank My you. pleasure. Thank you. Coca sonara y sonara y en ti 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 Coca sonara y sonara y en ti